Welcome to Headliner the Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Heckberg and Philip Goudreau. Headliner the Podcast, Phil Goudreau, Stephen Heckbert. And this week we're talking about the wonderful communications we've heard of the last couple of years from our government officials about COVID. We're talking about the, the staggering highs of the early months to today. Uh, yeah, and uh, and thanks, Phil. I mean, I, I'm going to sound whiny. The one thing that I feel worst about is that we went from such a high uh, in the early days of, of COVID. The Prime Minister was on television every day for almost 100 days telling us how much he cared. You know, remember, we, we came up with CERB immediately, and we were so responsive so quickly, and it was such mm-hmm. a positive. Yeah, and there, was so even, there was bipartisan cooperation. And, and so many things went well so quickly. We all, if it, if it hadn't been for COVID, we all would have held hands and sung Kumbaya. Well, I think we could have held hands and sung Kumbaya. We did it. We certainly tried to do it virtually. You know, they sang Imagine. Actually, uh, that did not work out. Yeah, no, that, 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 that was a, that that was was a, a bad, bad idea, actually. Sorry, I don't know why I went to that. No. But, but in the early days of COVID, there were so many positive rewards. And, and I'm actually going to split government officials and politicians for now. Why? Because I actually think public officials, given sort of the role that they should have been filling, probably maintained a fair amount of uh, communication strength throughout uh, the pandemic. I'm going to talk about politics. Mm-hmm. And the early successes led to such a series of disappointing failures that I really can't see how it all went so badly so quickly you know what one thing i want to point to we never got a follow-up second um cooking video with doug ford like we got a cheesecake recipe where's come on we got one cheesecake recipe and that's it it's like that's the only thing he makes and he has nothing else so (laughs) so and again like like this was uh, in the early days this was such an opportunity to humanize them and it was such an opportunity for hands across the border and there are i'm not going to slag all politicians because uh, there are certain examples from across the country that have actually still stayed fairly true. I'm going to do a shout out to my uh, home premier on Prince Edward Island, Dennis King. Probably could win all 27 seats on Prince Edward Island right now. Uh, he was that popular. He communicated that effectively. And he just set a bar on in terms of this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. I'm deferring to public health officials. And he actually didn't interfere. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dennis, if you're listening, good job. However... Many other politicians of every stripe, including New Democrats, obviously including PPC, including Greens, either remove themselves from the discussion and refuse to have a conversation, or they simply could not cope with the challenges and could not stay above the fray, Mm -hmm. and so ended up politicizing what should have been a public health conversation the whole time and ended up inserting politics into places where politics had no role. And I think that's probably the number one failure, I would say, is that there was too much insertion of politics as though the virus had any politics to it. Give us your favorite example. Some of my favorites have to do with ongoing lockdowns, not lockdowns, ongoing schools, not schools. And again, it was always my view that children should be in school. And so if you were going to sacrifice anything else, the last thing you would have sacrificed would have been children in school. Then we get to the November lockdown here in Ontario, and malls are open, and restaurants can still have some capacity, but we're closing schools. And I could not understand, schools had not been a particular vector of spread, schools had not been sort of identified as the main vector of spread, 
And yet malls were still open. And, and, and I do understand, and I, I 100% understand that there were some economic imperatives, et cetera, et cetera. But I thought we'd agreed on a graduated plan that, okay, so schools are paramount. Schools will stay open. And mm-hmm. then suddenly schools aren't open. Mm-hmm. So where did that come from? It damaged the credibility because we had said, the politicians had said from September when they started back at school, schools are going to stay open to the very end, no matter what. Yep. And then, oh, no, except they aren't. Uh, and I think that probably was so damaging because if they had said, we're closing everything, if yep. we'd gone back to a model from March of 2020, and I, and I obviously would not have encouraged that, but if we went back to that model, I would have said, you then no problem, close schools. Mm-hmm. But inconsistency will kill you in politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's where the political communicators and their lack of consistency, it's like they couldn't remember five minutes ago. What yeah. did I say five minutes ago? Oh, yeah. I don't remember. I will include someone who, you know, people who were very close to me because I was once one of them. That includes political staff. You have to speak truth to power. You have got to tell your political Leader, remember what we committed to low 12 minutes ago. We have to maintain that. That was 12 minutes ago, Stephen. I know, but it's just like credibility again, much like trust. So hard fought for, so hard to build, so easily lost. Right. I think even back to the the early days, here I'll invoke a name that uh, not one we hear as much about today, thankfully, but uh, Trump, President Donald Trump, saying we're going to have a vaccine ready in a year. And we had uh, immediate media skepticism. It's not going to happen. There's no way. It couldn't be possible. Then it comes out. And then it's, well, can we trust this? And then it's trying to get people to to take it, right? Um, definitely not a high point for me, the whole COVID comms. Uh, another one where uh, it seemed like media overtook science. In large part, it's much too much about, you know, he announces Operation Warp Speed. And had he briefed or had, had he allowed Dr. Fauci to brief people properly, mm-hmm. you could have said, actually... We have developed a better process to develop back vaccines. The science is there. We can shrink the amount of time it takes to do the testing. But because we now live in a world of only headlines, and God love Americans, but poor them. Like Fox News is in favor of Operation Warp Speed, but then becomes anti-vaccine sort of as soon as it comes out in the Biden administration. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, how did this happen? I, I, I will. And by the way, if you're in Canada, and I'm assuming if you're a listener of this, you're in Canada, and you're watching Fox News, Please, for the love of God, stop watching American news channels. Don't watch CNN. Don't watch Fox. Don't watch MSNBC. Otherwise, just like find other things to sort of warp your brain with. Like, there's got to be other things you can watch. You know that the snow, like the static when your TV watch. is disconnected. You'll that's be, that's that's better. You'll be smarter. Do yeah. not watch American news channels. And I say that as someone who has watched the news and been participating. If you're listening right now and you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to watch Fox today and at the end of watching it, or I'm going to watch CNN and at the end of watching it, I'll be smarter. You are wrong. You'll be dumber. You'll have less information than you thought, and you will not be able to process information intelligently. Watch The Daily Show. Watch The Daily Show. Reruns. It doesn't matter. Reruns or not. Watch John Oliver. Watch The Daily Show. They're much better newscasts now than anything you'll see on Fox or CNN. Yeah. But it's, it really is about, I would say, that political communicators, and, and I would include our prime minister this, I'd include our premier, I'd include our mayor, uh, I'd include lots of, lots of people in lots of elected offices. I guess what I'm saying, Phil, is I don't think they pass the test of leadership. Uh, there are times when a leader must step aside 
from their own individual political leanings and must lead all of us together. And so I was unhappy that we had an election in the middle of this. I'm unhappy that people have tried to use this for partisan gain. And again, I'm going to go back. I'm going to praise Dennis King again. What I liked about Dennis is that if he was in the legislature and somebody came up with an idea that he thought he should do, he would just say to them, well, we'll do that. And then, of course, their answer was complete silence because it flummoxed people when someone agreed with the opposition. But there's no shortage of good ideas, and you should be willing to listen when you're in something like this the job of a leader is to listen to everybody because you don't know where the best idea is going to come. Yep, no monopoly on good ideas. Great point. And I have a great idea for us, Stephen. What's your great idea? Let's head to the Olympics. Oh, so good. So much fun. See you in Beijing on our next episode. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Headliner, the podcast. If you want to know more about how you can improve your organization's communication strategies, visit headlinerthebook.com. We'll see you next week.